1: Love
0: Talk Radio.
3: Coming get you live, it is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite and stars. Buzzworthy, start
1: now. Hey, this is Brandon Barash from General Hospital. You're listening to Buzzworthy Radio. I am Jason Thompson from General Hospital. You are rocking it with Nivelle on Buzzworthy Radio.
3: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Buzzworthy Radio. It's Wednesday, August 11th, 2010, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, here on FlopTalkRadio.com and on BuzzworthyRadio.net. I'm your host, Neville James Lee, and yes, this is a live show because I know people started asking me, is this going to be live? And guess what, guys? You're not going to be disappointed because it is. It is live. We are excited. I'm using the royal we here because it's not just me that is excited here. I know a lot of fans are excited for this show. This has been two years in the making that we've been wanting to make this happen. Two years, guys. We're going to be joined by the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful actress that can be seen on ABC Daytime's General Hospital, Nancy Grand. Will be joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I am excited. Can't you, can't you tell that this is like a thrill for me? I am enjoying this so I, I'm I can't, I, I'm like, seriously, I'm like nervous as we speak. Yet I tweet at her all the time. Why should I be nervous? But that's just me being excited.
1: What can I tell you?
3: So if you guys want to get out the conversation, you want to talk to the actress herself, you can call in at 646. Five nine five four two two eight. We already have tons of questions flowing at us on Twitter as well as in, in emails. So definitely you guys do need to call in. Register in the chat room if you guys want to get some questions typed up in the room. I'll definitely take them. So uh, who knows? I might ask your stuff on the air too. Ms. Gron herself. And did I mention? did I mention that there's probably going to be someone going to attempt attempt to call in to surprise Nancy. I'm just saying. I can't tell you who it is. I can't tell you who it is, but that's all I can say at this point. So, if you guys are having trouble hearing the show, try refreshing your page several uh, times. If that doesn't work, try it in a different browser um, because I know that um, people in the chat room right now saying that uh, they cannot hear what's going on. So, Definitely try refreshing it, and again, if it doesn't work, then definitely try another browser. See if that works for you. But uh, we are waiting for her to call in because we have to keep reminding her. Start tweeting at her, folks. Tell her call now. <laughs> call now, Nancy. That's pretty much what she told us to do. So keep reminding her. She gets involved in the flashing light, So let's see if uh, let's see if she heeds our warnings. So. I want to make sure I have a bird's eye view of exactly who's on the line here. So let me start taking these calls so I can get your names down. 312 area code, you're on the line. How are you? Yes.
0: Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Nebel, Tony. What's going on?
3: Hey, Tony. All right. You're here on the line, so let me put you back on hold here. 781 area code, what's your name? Silas. Silas, all right. She's here. She says she's here, but I don't know what area code she's calling in from. 616. Hey, Neville, it's John. John. 727 area code. It's Yumiko. All right. And last but not least, we have 303. That's you, Nancy. Hi. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it to be a Colorado area. <laughs> how are hey. you?
4: Can you hear me?
3: We can hear you.
4: Hey.
3: Nice. Hi. How are How are you, my dear?
4: I'm good, honey. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much for doing this.
4: You're so welcome. I'm, it's my Absolutely.
3: pleasure. Absolutely. So i got to tell you, you pretty much are well-known as Julia from Santa Barbara, which, of course, I love profusely. And, of course, as Alexis Davis on, on General Hospital. My goodness, you, you're just like the epitome of one of the greatest actresses out there. And I just want to start off by saying this to you. You're not working until mid-September blows. Well,
4: <laughs> no, I don't get to decide that.
3: Well, I know, and I've
4: heard that they've redone the uh, beginning, and I'm now in the back with uh, uh, Mac or something. And um, you know, I'm I I, I've got other things going on which I love and I'm Mm -hmm. excited about with back talk. Yes. And um, in terms of the soaps uh if they uh you know it, it, my my thing is uh, if they wanna sh- push me to the back, I'm not gonna go quietly
3: oh absolutely absolutely so what what's going on with
4: so Books what is going, and all kinds of things what
3: so what is going on with back talk by the way we were getting some questions about that so what what's going on with that
1: um
4: i'm not allowed to um i'm working with academy award winning producers. Okay. And um they I'm in partnership with them. We've signed an agreement. I can't say who. They oh. uh unlike the time believe there's one shot at press and when this goes, that's when we're gonna use it. And it's a big deal.
1: Hmm. And
4: um I can't say anything more than that, but when it goes there'll be a big press thing.
3: Oh, good. So definitely, I'm definitely going to look out for that because everybody is asking more questions about it because it, it's just.
4: I'm <laughs> counting on, on uh, you know, the daytime audience when it goes to help support because this is a, um, something fun and something entertaining and something that I think where I, I don't have a voice in daytime, I have a voice in this, and I'm hoping you'll like it.
3: Wonderful. And uh, you've been tweeting uh, previously, I think this was actually, what, last night?
1: Nice. Uh-huh. It's
3: all running together, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> a, a venture that you know, a suggestion that you put out there that we kind of uh, we kind of want to see. You know, you and some other deep-time divas do something. Ken Zimmer, Stafford, uh, Robin Strasser. I'm
1: uh, being. I, I
3: think, rep-
4: think- <laughs> I'm being represented by a big huge agency, and I got yelled at, rightfully so, by tweeting that. So. Why? Uh, <laughs> It's a stupid way to do business, and that's not the way primetime does business. So uh, I, I got appropriately reprimanded, and the next time you'll hear about it is when it's ready to be seen.
3: That's not fair. <laughs> we were all for that. That's not cool, but, you know, that business is business. I'm, I can understand that.
4: That's the way it goes, and I'm learning as I go.
3: Absolutely. So let's talk, before we get into the General Oswald things, I wanted, I wanted to get into the Santa Barbara days because that, again, that's where I first saw you. That's where I grew up with. Uh, that was my first, uh, one of my first shows I got into that you won the Daytime Emmy Award for. Right. And I loved Mason and Julia, favorite couple. Aside from Cruise at Eden, but that's a given. But... <laughs> That was a great role for you. Uh, working on that show, what was doing that show? What was that like for you?
4: That was sort of the highlight of my, um, uh, you know, from from an artistic perspective. Um, you know, I went to the. I was just reading the Angelina Jolie book, and you know, I was reading about John, which I'm. I'm sorry, I bought, but I did. Um, I, I, I was reading about John Voigt and Robert Duvall and all these great actors and they went to the neighborhood playhouse and studied with Sanford Meisner, and so did I by the way and uh-huh. so I had a really great acting schooling and my intention was not to do a soap opera mm.
1: um,
4: I had other you know I had loftier thoughts about it, but this came about, it, it, I was I was graduating from the school, and mm-hmm. I was already sort of, um, I was approached. I had been approached by Gangster Chronicles, which was a big hit at that time, right. and it was between me and Kathleen Lloyd for this part, and it brought me out to Los Angeles, and somebody saw me, and Santa Barbara called and offered me this role, and I was kind of confused because it's not what I wanted to be doing, and I thought, well... I you know I was I I I think I set the precedent for signing a year contract I said I'll try it for a year I was young and this writer Patrick Mulcahy, was writing such I I was by the way one of the few members of the cast me and Robin Wright were the only two that had not done Broadway uh, I'm sorry Marcy a Robin Wright and I had not done Broadway the other rest I mean you know um Dame Judith Evans was my aunt. I mean, every, Ju- right. uh, Louis Cer- and, and the Nicholas Coster. all these people have been on Broadway. This cast was extraordinary. And so I said, I'll do a year. And um, this writer, Patrick Mulcahy, was writing it. And by the way, Chuck Pratt was writing it. And at that time, he was being very influenced. He was sort of a young um, Kind of, if your life's interesting, tell me about it. I'll write about it. And this Patrick Mulcahy, who won everyone their Emmys, wrote this relationship with Julianne Mason. Right. That I so um, interesting and so complex and so not what I expected soap operas to be. That I ended up staying for you know, I think eight and a half years. I, I, you joined, the, uh, you joined the uh, day before. Yeah. The Dobsons wrote characters that had originated or were were based on Shakespearean characters. It was so not like what I expected a soap opera to be, and I thought I'm not going to get a better role written for me than like at that time Murphy Brown. And by the way, you know Kenneth Burnham had that part. I I, I was. I had outs. I was able to audition for other things, and I would read other things, and I would go, this is not as good as what I'm getting. Why would I leave? So I was so impressed. And and, and there was a director, by the way, who unfortunately is not a lie, You know, was so artistic, was an artistic soul that offed himself before his time, that would have no shots in his script at all. And he would just shoot, or he would be create. It was such a creative, artistic environment. People don't know about this. And Europe took, it took off on it. I mean, they completely got it. France and, and, Europe and Russia and all these places. And Germany, they thought, God, this is interesting. But America wasn't quite ready for this yet.
3: And, I know. Yeah.
4: Uh, I have to tell you, it was was sort of the, I call it the Montessori of soaps, the Montessori School of soaps, and the others are public school education. And I lovingly say that, I mean, I'm on GH, and I lovingly say that because this soap provided me for the means to have my child and raise her and put her in a school that she needs to be in and, and, and so on, But, you know, it's the public school education of what Santa Barbara was. Santa Barbara was the Montessori school. Right. It's not undermining General Hospital because General Hospital was the great American soap. But for me, my heart and soul was to the character of Julia and the way it was written.
3: Oh, absolutely. Do you think, like, if it wasn't canceled? Do you think it would have had a shot at surviving in today's uh, daytime genre? Because it's changed dramatically in the past. I'll, I'll even be generous. I'll even say it changed within the past five years. Yes. Do you think Santa Barbara would?
4: Time before, It was before its time. If Santa Barbara was on now, it would be the star. That's my thought.
1: Really? Mm.
4: I mean, you know, there's something about it being an international success because of, you know, and, and, and specifically in the countries it was popular. In, I mean, France, it was the number one show. I mean, they like right. iron. They like, um, you know, things that are clever and smart. Um, you know, and someone would argue, yeah, they liked, uh, what was the show they liked? That was silly. Um, oh, Jerry Lewis, too. No. Um i don't know all i know is artistically i was satisfied i was fully satisfied with santa barbara otherwise i wouldn't have stayed that long i didn't have to i was being offered other things i had movies of the week i had other things going on at that time i was one of the 12 that did every you know universal guest star at that time i was doing fine and the, the reason I stayed, it, it was art, honestly artistically satisfying for me. It was uh, sort of the synchronicity of the actors. I mean, Lane was brilliant in that part. He was. I mean, I, I mean, I, would, I didn't even speak to him for a year, and we could act well together, because the writing was so good. Um, it was. You know, and that wasn't every day, but for the mo- for for the mo- you know the majority of the time, it was incredibly artistically and um, emotionally and intellectually satisfying for me. Otherwise, I would never have stayed that long. I didn't have to. And General Hospital is the job that came to me so that I could have my kid and support my kid, and you know, be a part of this company that. Was doing you know a, a great job with actors that I respected. Um, is it the part that was my lifetime role? No. Um, right. Was I being uh, was I being treated in the way that I thought I should be treated? No. Um, did I think I had more to offer than what they were giving me? Yes. But you know, <coughs> can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I knocked the phone over. Um, Did I have disagreements with the writer? Yes. Did I um, love the executive producer? Yes. Do I love Brian? I do. I respect him. He's um, been my boss for a long time. Um, It was a different... um, They had an agenda that was not... um, you know, did not fully satisfy me, but it fully satisfied, you know, a, a bigger picture, a bigger story, something that was bigger than me. And, you know, and that's life. You know, you take jobs and, you know, it uh, it, it it was not, um, you know, the, my part on general hospital, I was not the this. Star or supporting star of General Hospital. I was what they made me, and that was fine because I had a different agenda here.
3: Exactly. Does Uh, that make sense? It does make sense. And, you know, I I love – really, I loved your character when your character sparred with Helena Kazanai, which I tend to sometimes forget you're related to that family in in hindsight because I don't see that interaction with her anymore when she makes her sporadic appearances. Uh,
4: gone ju- I- it's gone through different transitions I mean there was a part I know Patrick actually was writing a lot of it when the Cassadine he created that Cassadine story and about the you know my opera singer mother and all of that stuff that was Patrick's and that was detailed and um, very realized and very interesting I think the audience liked that And and somewhere along the line it became comical because you know, at some point, you know, if you have that, if if your emotions are that heightened where this stepmother took out your mother in such a violent way, you would have your revenge, you would reap your re- revenge, and that wasn't realized because there were other things that, when Guza started writing, there were other things that he liked and other things that he um, thought were important and significant and by the way that matters you know it's the writer's choice he has a more he has a, he he gets more he he, ha, he gets he gets to be the decider not me right exactly and so of course my perspective is um from a very me oriented place and that's not where he's coming from. He's coming from an all-oriented place. So yes, if I had my druthers, it would be more Alexis-focused. But that's he—he's not required to do that. That's not his. Um, he doesn't have to do that. Uh, he has a, a you know a bigger job than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wins. I mean, he gets to decide, and for better or worse. Alexis was realized up to this point or that point, and, you know, it's, it's sort of... Um, honey, hold on. It's sort of, you know, it's not relevant because, you know, my single story is, is only a single story. It doesn't uh, matter in the big picture. And so the big picture, he gets to dictate, and... For better or worse, that's what it is. So I can, you know, that's why I look at this job as a uh, a money job, a a job where, you know, like I said, I mean, my kid's gotten through seventh grade on this job, and that has great relevance to me.
3: Do you think? that, I mean, I'll, I'll even go back and say, it, I know you said if, if it were you, you, you would, um, if you were. Higher up in the in the in the in the feeding pool, you have it more Alexis uh, oriented. I'll even I'll even change that up a little bit. How about mm-hmm. not mob centric? Because I think the mob has severely taken over. I mean, I know. You know, Sunny and Jason have been a part of of, of the show. These characters have been a part of the show for over ten years now. But I don't think it was that heavy. Even uh, even uh, uh, six years ago, I'll go right. that far. And all of a sudden, it just seems to have taken over that fold. And it just seems like your character is only in it whenever your daughter, um, or your on-screen daughter, uh, Christina, played by Lexi Ainsworth, um, is involved because, you know, this child is from uh, Sonny. So it just seems like whenever that is uh, positioned in a storyline, here here's your entrance into that. So it's just like whenever mob, a mob thing happens, here comes Alexis. Can't we see Alexis do something outside of the mob? Have herself get a love life. She hasn't been with anybody since Rick left. Uh, you know what I mean? It just seems like take, take Alexis out of the mob full for just like one minute. See her act opposite of something else that is not flooding the screen that is of a mob or a stature. But you're, again, ask,
4: you're asking me a question that mm-hmm. I have absolutely no control over.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I, you know, obviously, I'm not, you know, when you're asking me these kind of questions, I'm going to try to answer things truthfully because that's, unfortunately, my cross to bear is that I'm truthful. But oh, yeah. I also, you know, <laughs> I also politically correct
1: yeah.
4: when you're asking me these kind of questions about the show because I'm employed with them.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, so, you know, respectfully, I say this respectfully, The head writers get to choose what they want to write about.
1: Mm
4: -hmm. I don't get a vote. And, you know, if I wanted a vote or if I insisted on a vote, I would have been a writer or a producer, you know, which I am a producer and a writer of the other project I'm doing because I really wanted that. And this, in General Hospital, I'm not a writer or producer. I am an employee of General Hospital um i've worked for bob for a long time i respect him and i've worked for brian for a long time i respect him i've worked for jill she's a good friend of mine i do not get a vote in the writing i do not get a vote in how they market the show i do not get a vote in that um they may want younger people and the you know people over 45 you know may not be you know seen as much I don't get a vote. It's my, I have a plenty to say about it. It'll be in a book when I'm done. <laughs> but right now, my employment is important to me. Does that make sense?
3: It does make sense, absolutely. Okay. We, we, we want to see you employed, please. <laughs> Let's not jeopardize that on this show, please. Uh, and, you know,
1: also,
4: <laughs> by the way, on their behalf, I will say that when you do see me, It's not, I'm not in the mob. They hired Diane for the mob because, quite frankly, Bob respected me enough to know that I can't do that shit anymore. But, and he did. Um, You know, he deserves credit for that. I have my family, the Davis family, and when you see them, and I think the audience likes them, and I think the research suggests that they like them. and. When he's ready, he'll write them. But uh, honestly, I, I'm not a part of the mob. I'm a part of my family, which actually I like a lot.
3: Okay. Very, very good. And let's, let's break away, and I guess we can talk about something that you probably can mention,
0: uh,
3: <laughs> which is definitely something that you have made mention of uh, previously. Is uh, We have a question from Deliberation. And they want to know, like, why why aren't more actors or actresses in soaps or whatever, any any kind of realm, um, do not come out more vocally against reality television. You know, I mean, seriously, you mentioned Jersey Shore. The, the whole cast of Jersey Shore makes more than a daytime actor or actress. Really? Really? Uh, They're yes. not even from Jersey. They're not even more. from Jersey, and they make more than that. They pulled up Friends on, on, on MTV. They did a Friends move. <laughs> They, they did the David Schwimmer, is what I called it, when they basically just banded together and asked MTV to pay them more money for Season 2. Why? What do they do?
4: What they do, they draw ratings. The ratings for Jersey Shore are a gazillion times more than General Hospital. The ratings for Housewives of New Jersey are, uh, you know, a lot more. The ratings for, by the way, my kid watches um, uh, iCarly. Are a lot more than General Hospital. It's business. Ratings dictate, you know, payment. And, um, and by the way, you know, reality TV is not bad. Um, I don't mean to say that it is. There are certain things that really rub me the wrong way. The Bachelor drives me freaking insane. Um, oh, the- Sure, Snooky and that group drives me insane i have a 12 year old why w- why would anyone think anything other than that I and mean, there's certain shows that are so um uh insulting to a woman's intelligence that mm-hmm. it, it upsets me k plus ins- eight it incenses me oh don't you know you, on and, you know just- <laughs> The world is over... You know, read your fucking history, sorry. I mean, the world's overpopulated. Don't have eight children. You know, have a child. Um, I, 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 I also know from having done a reality show with my sisters and knowing I have friends who produce these things, they're totally manipulated. You are all being manipulated. There's nothing real about these shows. There are circumstances and situations that are set up
2: you
3: know, that are, uh, you know, what's going to happen as soon as they come in.
4: You're all being manipulated. So, but by the way, they're cheap to make and the the, the, the ratings are high and it's business. And I, if I were on the other end of it, you'd be an idiot. Not to say I'm going to make this much money because I'm doing this reality show because it's cheap. (laughs) So now,
2: I mean, it's,
4: but then there's Dancing with the Stars, which, uh, you know, and American Idol and certain family shows that I watch with my kid that are harmless and mm-hmm. America's Got Talent that are really great. And I think the variety show is coming back. And so those things are lovely. You know, I I, I, I get that. You know, it's all about economics and business, and I, I I try to see both sides. But The Bachelor, those kind of shows, I'm like, what the fuck, you know, are you kidding? Yeah. I know yeah. Gloria Steinem. I've had dinner with her. What, you know, are you, do these women in their 20s have any clue who this woman is? And if, if they don't, they should, because their freedom and their right to do the things that they're doing are because of Gloria Steinem and women like that. There's, there's a, you know, a myriad of women who have really, and pioneers who have, you know, made it so women aren't, you know, uh, objectified in the media. And The Bachelor Red or The Bachelor, it's just, it makes me nuts. You can tell I might, you know, I'm just nuts.
3: I don't, I honestly, I don't understand reality shows. I don't, even though it's it's a shame to say I watch Big Brother, but I stopped watching it because it's really fucking annoying. And, you know, (laughs) I, I, there's
4: certain, like I said, the reality shows that, that show talent or that show people working at something or if there's a reality show that's real, uh, you know, it's valuable. But people want to see things that are true. And unfortunately, reality television is not showing them that, but it's indica- it, it makes them feel like they're watching something truthful. If I had my druthers, I would make soap operas, you know, look more real
1: Mm. i
4: would i would make soap operas in this generation now at this time in this you know in this century look more like a slice of life which is my preference to acting you know to to make things look real um i don't decide that that's that would be my choice i think that reality television may be looking more like a soap opera than a soap opera and maybe that's what the problem is. But also, in saying that, reality television is not, if people are looking at that thinking that's real, it's not. It's situations set up and these people are willing to humiliate themselves, embarrass themselves, do anything they can to uh, be famous and to, you know, make money. There, there is reward in being famous
3: times as 2020. I would never want to do that to myself just for 15 minutes of fame. Like, Why would I want to put myself out there, embarrass myself, and then just basically be looked at from that point of view from what I've just done? That's my opinion. I don't know if anybody will feel the same way as I do, but I do. I would never want to put myself in that position, and especially with knowing what I know about some reality shows, you go in, you already, they already know exactly how this is going to go out. You're going to have to play it that way and act like, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're going to play it that way. But yet, in reality, what you see on The Bachelor, they probably, probably already had it already written down that, oh, yeah, this person is going to get together at the end of this. Right. They're going but to get the rose. The
4: thing is, reality television is directed and designed and manipulated to keep you interested. And the reality is, as a result of people watching, is it is keeping people interested. That's the goal. So if that's the goal, they're succeeding, and they deserve kudos for that. You know, do I wish that our world wouldn't watch the Snookies of the world and the train wrecks? And, um, you know, there's plenty of real situations that are interesting to Mm. watch people behaving in a disgusting way, you know, elicit viewership and numbers and ratings. And advertising money, you know, uh, we all wish that wouldn't happen. Right. But no, it it, it does, and uh, at some point maybe that'll change. And and, and but on, in some regard, it's a lesson to all of us that if we're going to put on television, we better make it real and entertaining. And if it's not, we're going to lose.
3: Oh yeah, that's messed up. And I do have. We got a lot of callers coming out of here. And I definitely want to take them in this last half an hour, but okay. I to. I want to definitely pass this on. Jim Romanovich uh, tweeted at me today, I wanted love to him. make sure. Oh my God, he's amazing. Yeah, uh, tweeted tweeted at me today. Said that to pass on to you that he enjoys your tweets. you uh, your good nature you spar. You good nature spar a bit between each other, but he admires you as a person and as an actor, and admires your passion. And he wishes he could be here live for this interview, but he can't. But he Uh, to definitely pass it on to you.
4: No, I I really appreciate his, uh, you know, I read him. I tell him I acknowledge him every time he tweets something, and I see it, and I um, digest. And I think he's really smart. And um, uh, hopefully next year at the Emmys I'll be able to participate because he'll do something that I don't have a problem with.
3: Absolutely, I would love it. I would love it. And uh, it's a shame we couldn't see you this year, but I would love it if there's something going on next year. I would love to see you. And I'm pretty sure these people on the line, don't want to see you too, and I think they want to talk to you. So I think let's uh, let's have at it, shall we?
1: Sure. Let's,
3: all right. Uh, let's bring on someone from almost my area, neck of the woods, Pennsylvania. Two six seven. You're on the line. Hi,
1: Navell. Hi, Navell. Hi. Hi hi, um oh my gosh. <laughs> oh hi Nancy. There. I I just blanked on your name for a minute, I'm sorry. I have been a fan of yours since way back uh Santa Barbara. And yeah. I admire you so much as 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 an actress and a person. I think, Thank you. you know, as a, a single mother and a, a strong woman, I think you inspire a lot of women, including myself and um, so I wanted you to know that first off, that I really Thanks. appreciate you. Um, and I had a question for you. Um, I wanted to know, since you've you know you've been in daytime for so long and um, you've had so many incredible stories and leading men and everything, what, what has been some of your favorite uh, things to do? Like, I know I loved you with Wally Kerr. Um, back in the in the Lexus did. I love that. And I love the relationship that you have with Jax. And I love that sometimes they remember it and, you know, put a little pieces. in it. But what has been some of your favorite stuff?
4: You know, honestly, in terms of relationships, I can't – there isn't one other than um, Maurice that um, was particularly interesting to me. I mean, you do what you're hired to do. But the the um, the writing of, um, I think it was Megan Metavish um, back then, that sort of um, she didn't have a plan, but she watched the interaction between the two of us. And I thought it was sort it, it, to me I look for dynamic and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what would be the most interesting dynamic. And, you know, I was his defense attorney and I was a, uh, you know, somebody that was uh, believed in the truth and believed in honesty, and it was everything sort of that he wasn't, but yet he was. And it was very complex. It was very, um, uh, you know, and the way it sort of came about, it started at point A and went to point Z. Um, yeah. about eight months, and honestly, that was the most satisfying time I've had on the show. Um, and so it was um, – I, I I can't think of a relationship that she's had with anyone that's been um, that truthful.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to go with that. I did, I did think you and Maurice had incredible chemistry together. I did like seeing that dynamic, you know, Christina came out of it. And then the way that Alexis, I love the way that, that Alexis doesn't cave again. Like, you know, most of Sonny's women you know, they get out of it, and then they come drawing right back, like, they, they get right back into it, but Alexis, Alexis kind of stands her ground, and, you know, stays think, strong, and, think, and, and tell Sonny how she feels.
2: <laughs>
4: I think the relationship with Sonny, and I, I like things that are complex, and complicated, yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, based on the truth, um, that's the easiest for me to act, and the easy easiest for me to understand, and I think you know, the fact that he was a mobster, he was a very tormented, um,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know, guy that went down the wrong path, and she was, you know, that went down the unjust path, and she was sort of hooked in, you know, in a complicated way to the just justice side of things. It was a really good, in terms of just good literature, in terms of what would make good literature, those were great mm-hmm. characters, they were sort of based in complexity and sort of Shakespearean, mm-hmm. and... Um, that to me was, it was clearly the most interesting.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I agree. Thank you very much for answering my question. I really enjoy
2: watching you on the show. Thank you for asking. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Emil.
3: Bye-bye. Love it, love it. Uh, this question was from uh, Silas Kane. Uh, they wanted to do you think soap operas remain a great place for budding actors to fine-tune their craft?
2: Um.
4: Actually, yeah, because you know, repetition is is the way any, any artist or anyone who wants to hone their craft make, you know, improves themselves and the, the thing with soaps is that you do an hour, you, you do it every day and you're practicing every day and you have a new situation every day, so it's as good a school as anything um, you can't you know, this is the greatest way to perfect and hone your skill. You're on television and you're doing it every day. I thought on Santa Barbara I sucked for probably a year. I didn't think I was good, but I'd make myself watch myself every day so that I could see, honey, Kate, sweetie, turn that down, babe. Thank you, babe. Um, So that I could see and judge and look and discern, and Mm -hmm. it taught me. That's how I learned. And, um, you know, I've watched young actresses come in. I've watched Lexi come in and improve every day as a result because you have the opportunity to be on TV TV every day. That's not true for any other medium. So, yes, I think it's a great way to teach actors how to act.
3: Absolutely. Let's take this um, caller from, uh, if I get your state wrong, please correct me. I'm always, I'm not good at that stuff. Uh, call from Massachusetts, 781. You're on the line. That's me,
0: Silas Kane. Hi, Ms. Grant. Thank you for your time. Sure. Follow-up follow question to what um, your host just asked you. Why is it that soap actors are not more proactive in proclaiming that within their own industry, they are probably one of the most steadily employed members, number one? I mean, when you think about it, you've got a brilliant, you've got a brilliant career on Daytime.
4: 24 many, years. Oh. I
0: know. How many actors out there, how many of your fellow actors can claim that they've that had that kind of a steady gig? I mean, oh, daytime buddy. actors get the short end of the stick here.
4: Well, the thing. I mean, for better or worse, daytime actors are looked at by the rest of the industry like they're sort of the, you know, uh, what's a way to describe it? Um, that they're um sort of the working class that they're the um this is the lowest of the low in terms of the you know hierarchy of television um, now, by the way, people are looking at it like, "Gee, I wish I had done a soap opera because now I'm forty and'm fifty, and I can't get a job, and those people who stayed on soaps for twenty four years are still working Um, there are people who have done series in their 30s hit series for 10 years
0: a hit series
4: Charles you know uh, that it's been a good 10 years since they've worked you know I mean you know and and Charles is a friend of mine I I adore him and he's talented but you get hooked into something and soaps have longevity soaps have a consistency soaps I, I look back now you know, at 50, and I think, hell, am I glad I chose this route? This was a fine, fine thing to do.
1: And I never
4: looked at it, whether it was popular in the industry or anything else. I looked at it saying, am I being fulfilled? Is this yeah. – so, and, and, you know, like I said, for 10 years, almost 10 years on Santa Barbara, I thought I had the best female job in television besides Murphy Brown. But, and you I –
0: You mentioned Shakespeare a lot. You know, you mentioned Shakespeare a lot. But don't you think that the relationship between a soap fan and a soap actor is more like the relationship between a a, a person in the Shakespeare audience and the actor on the stage? I mean, soap actors have a very intimate relationship with their fans. Five days a week in their living rooms. You, You have a whole different dynamic you're dealing with.
4: Well, it's any kind of. I mean, Shakespeare in a way... You know, wrote brilliant, articulate, um, extraordinary soap opera. I mean, he, you know, you, you hook in, you, what you, soap opera is hooking in all these characters in a way that makes you want to keep, makes you want to stay invested. That's any great playwright, any great writer, any great format, inter- artistic format. You know, you want people to stay engaged and involved. I mean, I'm not going to compare soap operas to Shakespeare. Honestly, I, that would be kind of
0: stupid. May, may, on, on the surface, no. But when you look at the dynamic, I, I mean, I talked to Charles Keating a few weeks ago about this very thing. And he talked about the relationship between the actor and the fans. And, it, you know, I grew up with soap opera. I mean, I sign language soap opera to my mother when I was an eight-year-old boy. Um <laughs> You you know, people people hear that story and they're like, holy cow, no wonder you know so much about soap. To me, soap opera has taught women so much. You are one of the pioneers in daytime who gave the women that are out in the professional world today the guts to do it, and you don't realize it. Julia, (laughs) in her strength, inspired a college-age girl to go out and take a chance, and no one has said thank you to you for that. But that's the truth.
4: I, I, look i i i've oh, got you have to know that I am so humble in the in the in the face of you know circumstances that are greater than me i honestly i i I hear you when I think that that part by the way was not only profound for me for nine and a half years it was i know it was profound for other people and it's because it was based in a very real, very truthful, I mean, Chuck Pratt would talk to me and say, what's your circumstances? That whole story about my father being an alcoholic was based on me,
1: <laughs>
4: my dad, who openly talked to Chuck and openly talked about stuff like that. I mean, you know, it was a different day. I mean, they were this, this you know, um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name in my menopausal haze. Um, the, the director, like I said, that came with no, no, sh- no shot assignment, was was saying, "I want to go right off my gut. I want to shoot this on what's interesting." That doesn't happen now. I mean, Santa Barbara was, you know, and anomaly it was something different. It was. It was artistically as pure as anything that I've experienced. I mean, that character and that relationship that she had with Mason was, I mean, very profound. And if it was profound for me, then obviously it translated and was, you know, it hit other people. I mean, that's, there was nothing more satisfying to me as an actor. And plus, I'm also, you know, an actor that cares about the audience and what they're feeling and thinking and, I, and, 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 and the impact that it has on other people. And I, honestly, that was an extraordinary experience. It really, really was. Uh, so I get that. I get, and, and I grew up watching Soaps. I, 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 I would, I watched General Hospital. I have a picture of my sister with Tony Geary with his puffy hair because I got on the set. And it was the greatest thing ever that happened to my little sister, you know, and now I'm best friends with them. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, it's it just, I, 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 and I'm, plus I dated Sam Behrens for three and a half years, who played Jake Meyer. I mean, I, you know, I was very, I was, I grew up watching soaps, and I was, and I loved being on them for many, many years. You know, I have great admiration and respect. And, um, you know, I I can't say enough about soap operas. I mean, this was my life, and this was the life that, uh, you know, and this life allowed me to provide a life for my kid. What more can I say about it? It's great.
0: You've done well, and the best years are still ahead. Thank you for your time.
4: Yeah, I don't know about that, but, you know, I think it's – I'm going to be transferred into something else. I'm going to, you know, move on to something else as a result of this. But I look at soap operas and I have the greatest love and admiration for them. And more importantly, there is no more loyal audience. And anyone will tell you that. You know, um, I had a conversation with Julianne Moore about this. There is no more loyal audience than that that watches soap operas. It's, it's, just not, there isn't one. And, um, it, you know, I, that's the other thing. When I, when I, when I hear about, and, and you sort of see, you're faced with the reality of the numbers and the business, and you see soaps may be on their last leg, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's um, so sad to me because I have so much, um, you know, affection for this medium. And um, I I hate to see them go down. I wish they'd change. I wish they'd just mutate into what is necessary to keep them going. But, again, I don't get the vote.
0: Right. Well, I'm looking forward to your new project when you can talk about it, because you have a loyal Um, set of fans out there, and they will follow you.
4: I can't tell you.
0: Well, they will follow you. Trust me. That will happen. I,
4: I have So much gratitude to everybody. And uh, obviously, I'm on Twitter to stay in touch. And, um, you know, I have, you know, the self audience, I I couldn't have more gratitude for them. I'm so grateful.
0: Well, your tweets about The Bachelor were the comedy relief because I hate that show. So that was fun.
4: (laughs) I said my Twitter is my nighttime personality, not my daytime personality.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Neville. Have a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank
4: you, honey. Bye.
3: I love that. Your fans are great. They love you to death. And there's more coming on the line. I cannot I cannot even believe it. It's just like it's just lighting up profusely. I love it. Let's get to a Marilyn. Marilyn caller? Am I right? 410?
2: Yes, you are. How are you? Hello. Good. How are you? This is Anna. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to call in because Nancy is one of my all-time favorite soap stars. Um, but I have a lot of respect for you personally, Nancy. Um, and I know that you had a, kind of a connection with the cancer storyline with your dad. And I wanted to thank you for that because my dad actually uh, died of lung cancer. Uh, and he was very, very long and uh, very, very young, and I thought, I I really thought that you did your best with what you were given to portray that storyline.
3: Uh-oh. I don't hear her, but she's still on the line, though. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Nancy, you still with us. Let me unmute. Let me try it again. Nancy? I think we lost her.
1: Oh.
3: Uh oh. Still on the line though, but I think we lost her. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, if you want to try to give us a call back in, definitely do that. But
2: uh,
3: yeah, I'm apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. But
2: uh, it happens.
3: It happens. Okay, she did. She did uh, get off the line, so I'm gonna. Definitely check to make sure that uh, she will call back in. But uh, that was a good question. I, 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 a good comment that you made, and I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that uh, it can actually, I can actually attest with you because I will say uh, not anyone in my family, but I consider them to be my family, uh, they actually, um, she had actually passed away from, from cancer herself. So, but it was a story amongst itself because she didn't tell anybody that the cancer never went away. She actually said that it was, she was in remission, but she never was in remission. You know what I mean? And uh, she just, she didn't want her family to, like, worry about her because her and her husband knew that this was going down. But, right. But, you know, I, I kind of felt more upset that she didn't tell anybody because I kind of wanted to be there for her instead hey. of being there for her in her final moments with us which is when that's when everybody everybody got together instead of being there with her beforehand you know that really that really made me feel bad especially i as i know everybody else did in the family but it was just it was just it was tough it was very tough she was always very supportive of me she was always there for me and i kind of i kind of wish i was there for her
2: right right yeah and sometimes and, but i mean you know, you
3: didn't know. So, mm. but it was just—it was—it was just—it was, just, it was just a tough, tough trying time. And I was, you know, I—I'm I, glad that you were able to at least call in and you know share your story with with us anyway. to uh, even though um, she had uh, left the line, but I was—I was glad that you were able to at least uh, share your thoughts yep. and insight. Well,
2: thank you. I, I understand that, you know, technology. What are you going to do? Technology sucks,
3: but you know what? It's my life. <laughs> that's my slogan. If, if I didn't love technology, I would not be doing the show. You know what I mean? Just saying. It's always, it was always a mishap, but you know what? That that's, that's the way of the, that's the way of the world.
2: Right, so. right. Well, and, but, and her uh, interview so far was great. So, you had her for a little bit. I
3: did. I did. I did. I did. And you know what? I wouldn't fault it for anything. I would not yeah. fault it. Exactly. So, at least, we made it happen, you know. There was tons of people here, and you know what? I would definitely do it in a heartbeat, all over. Yeah,
2: good. good. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. She was. So. She's always somebody that you can count on to give you a honest, fresh perspective, and that's really nice.
3: Yeah, definitely, absolutely. And we don't have a. You know, we have some guests that are like that but we don't have that many and she's one of those that would fit into that category that just keeps it real
1: right
3: she keeps it real and i wanted to uh, she she's still on the line yeah she's still on the line uh colleen you know who helped tweet this out profusely she's on the phone line i i want to tell you right now i want to thank you so much for all your help i really appreciate it you're
1: welcome no problem
3: you were DMing me all over the place with all the questions, helping me out, trying to make sure I had them, uh, keeping the chat room in check, everything like that, because it was going by way too fast. Because everybody is in there. I love you to death. You you definitely helped me out, and I Oh, I was it. happy to help you. And uh, you know what I mean. Follow follow her on Twitter, uh, Santa Barbara number one. Do that for me. That's my that's my am
1: <laughs>
3: that's my suggestion unto you. Follow Nancy Le too. I'm just saying, but follow follow Colleen too. I'm just saying. That's my that's my utmost suggestion to you guys. Uh, but we're gonna wrap it up now. Since unless you guys wanted to talk to me, but I don't think you do. <laughs>
0: I'm
3: not I don't, I'm not that loved. I'm sorry. I'm not that loved. But <laughs> but if you did, I, I I love you in respect. But. I'm going to tell you, uh, we are working on having on Martha Byrne on the show. She did agree to come on to the show. So we will be having her back for a second visit, as well as uh, having on Daniel Goddard for the third time from The Young and the Restless. He will be joining us. And on the 23rd of this month, WWE's Cody Rhodes will be joining us on the show. Get out of here. I don't even know how I swung that, but that's happening. I can't wait to uh, talk to this guy. He's supposed to make a guest appearance on Warehouse 13, which is on Sci-Fi. So he's going to be joining us, talking to us for like a little bit. And that will be on August 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Follow me on Twitter. I want to thank you guys for coming to the show, supporting me. Follow me on Twitter at Buzzworthy Radio. We have a Facebook fan page. Just find us. Like us. Uh, you know, I love and support everything that you guys have been doing and, and with an encouraging word. I want to tell you now that surprise caller we were supposed to have was Lane Davies. He did he did say he wanted to come here, but he had a prior engagement. He could not make it to the show, but he did want to pass on his love for Nancy and he did agree to come on to the show in a separate interview for himself, and he will be talking about the bay. Uh, we'll be working on getting in here, but he did agree to come onto the show. So all you Santa Barbara fans, I hope you guys can tune in to him when we do get him situated here on the program. So I do encourage you for that. And thank you again for coming out and supporting me again. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks for keeping me sane and keeping me company, even though we had a lot of technical issues. But you know what? You're always here. You always give me the thumbs up. So I, I do applaud you and commend you for that. Without you guys, I would not be here. So I wanted to pass this on to you. But we're, we are signing off for now. I want to thank you again. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Nancy was great. Major, major props to her. Uh, we are going to be back on on the 23rd. Unless we are on earlier, we will definitely let you know. But for now, I am signing off. I'm Navelle J. making sure you guys get the latest buzz with Post Radio Radio. See you guys next time.
0: Hey, everybody. This is John Driscoll from Young and the Restless, the new Philip Chancellor, the fourth you are listening to Buzzworthy Radio right now with Novell. Stay tuned for what's coming up, what's happening, what's going on, and what will be coming up, what drama to be expected on your favorite soaps. Listen in.
1: Can't get
2: enough
0: of Buzzworthy Radio. Lock on now to www.buzzworthyradio.net to get the latest news on upcoming guests, past shows, and videos of all your favorite stars. Keep getting the latest buzz with Buzzworthy.